Go with me in, in your Bibles, uh, and, and probably the best place to, to settle, and I'll get to it eventually, is, is in, um, hold on, I'll get there. It's probably Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. You settle there. It's going to take me a little while to get there, but, but I, I want to this morning, um, to speak on building temples. Building temples. Uh, one of the things about our church and, and is that we are constantly building. Building things. Building stuff, seems like, or, or working on stuff. And people are always asking, is, is, you know, how do y'all see that? Or how do y'all... I believe one of the reasons God allows us to do things is because the way we see things. And for the purpose we do things. Years ago... There was a season where churches became very important symbols. If you if you drive around even Forest or you drive around Jackson or you drive around, uh, I, I love to go to Nashville. Uh, Nashville has from you know the early late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundred these enormous, beautiful stone buildings and churches, and you can just walk the streets and just and you're just like wow. I mean that took talent and time. And, and it was amazing because over the course of time, buildings became such an important part. So that even when you drive around today or look, you'll see that churches took enormous pride in some of the most beautifulest buildings in a city is the church, a Baptist church, Methodist church, whatever kind of church that, that, that was built right there in the middle of the city. And it's, it's just these, these beautiful buildings, I mean, just beautiful structures and stained glass windows and thousands and thousands of dollars that people spend. And you would think that, you know, as we kind of are getting in this 2000s, it's like, well, that's, that's kind of a waste, you know, man. That's just because you see them now as they're getting older. And, and the sad part is, is nearly one out of every six churches is closing now on a regular basis. And a lot of these churches are becoming chapels for weddings, becoming different things because there's not enough people. And, and so why, why these buildings? Because, listen to me, buildings are things because after World War I, World War II, people wanted to build something and create something that they could say, it's here. It's going to last. It, it's it's going to last time. In fact, a lot of them even put cemeteries right beside it so that it kind of connects you to the whole process. You know, you just, you know, some, some of us in, in the country churches, we know cemeteries right there. In fact, I grew up in parsonages. You have to realize I grew up in living in parsonages. So our hide-and-seek places were usually cemeteries. They were the best hide-and-seek places. After church at night, man, we could go hide-and-seek. And, and, and so that, people's like, man, that's a graveyard. That's, well, that's one thing about it. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. And so, so it, it is the best place to go and, and to do hide. And so all these buildings, and even when you look at Israel, even when we study our history as church, and you have to understand that buildings are constantly used as road marks, as, as symbols. In fact, I want to show you the importance of building buildings, even through the Old Testament. And we, and we studied this now. The Old Testament is a picture of the reality of a New Testament. In other words, the Old Testament is everything hid, and the New Testament is everything revealed. So everything's a symbol. Even the buildings is a symbol. And it's teaching us, as the apostle would tell us in the New Testament, that everything that was done and everything that was said was done for our example, to show us and to teach us something. So let's look at real quickly these temples, these buildings that were in the Old Testament that were so important. And in fact, if we had time in Exodus 25 through 31, if we had time, we would talk about the first one in length, and that's Moses' temple. That's the tabernacle that was out in the desert. The first temple that God told or instructed them how to build, and we know that it was portable. It was it was made of different skins and different cloths, and it had different chambers. And, and, and when they stopped, that was the first building that they set up. They set it up, and there were three tribes to the north and three tribes to the south and three tribes to the west and three tribes to the east that built and set up their tents 
all around and everything pointed toward the temple. That's why a lot of times when you hear about them being sad, it said every man stood at his door and cried. Well, what was he looking at? The temple. He couldn't get away from it. It's like, well, God's not answering our prayer. When you walked out every morning, the first thing you saw was Moses' temple. And what it was designed to do was to teach people and to train people how to depend on God. You had people that had been in slavery, been in bondage for 400 years. And so even though it was a great temple and we hear of crazy things that happen, fire coming down from sky, listen to me. Here's the thing that you need to remember that was a flaw in this temple. It had great qualities, but here was the flaw. One of the strengths of the biblical Christianity is the ability to be flexible without compromising God's holiness. One of the great abilities that God wanted them to have was the ability to stay holy even though things around you were changing. Now the opposite of that is to fall in love with a building, to fall in love with something stable, and try to keep everything from from moving around you. That's why when you're in COVID, it was such a problem for the church because they told everybody, don't go to church. And for a lot of people, that was, that was just like a death sentence. I've talked to pastors this week that, that just literally said, look, I got people that, that, that aren't coming back. They told me I'm not coming back. Why? Because they had built their entire life and their Christian experience around that building being the one thing that wasn't supposed to change. That building being, because we preach it all the time. Hey, everything else, but, but the church is not going to change. And then one day, oh, by the way, we're not having church. You can't come. And for a lot of people, it became an incredible problem. And it became a frustration and an anxiety because what they were supposed to learn was that we are to be flexible. Hey, we may have to have church outside, but it's still church. We may have to, we may have to meet in a house somewhere, but it's still church. We, we, we may have to just stand out in the yard and make a big circle six feet apart, but it's still church because the building is not what is holding us together. We are flexible enough to not be structured to the building, but at the same time never compromise our holiness. And that's what they were supposed to learn. But what they kept looking for was something solid. That's why they kept telling Moses, look, let's go back to Egypt. Can we just go back to Egypt? We had cucumbers. We had things to eat. Man, you could walk out every day and those pyramids were never moving. The, everything was always solid. Even though we had a bad life, yet it's who we were. And so the first temple that we're given a picture of is a temple in a desert, but it's teaching us how to be flexible how to be movable and still stay holy. The second one is Solomon's temple. Finally, they, they get settled. They're in the Canaan land. And man, they are so excited because they finally get to build a temple. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, 1-17, we read about this temple that, that, that God allows David to start saving for. David saves for years to build a temple that God tells him you can't build. And finally his son Solomon gets to come along and build this temple and I mean it is, when you start to figure how much gold and how much silver, when they talk about tons of gold, not a gold plated, not gold flake, gold, tons of gold that, that, that bars upon bars that they had collected and saved through the years that they were saving and having and now Solomon is, is melting it down and covering shields and, and every shield is covered in gold in the temple and, and everything is, is layered in gold and, and every type of instrument is covered in gold. It is an incredible thing and they finally build this beautiful cathedral. They finally build the thing that they're wanting. But it's amazing how quick that even though it is solid, even though it is steady, even though it is everything that they thought that they wanted, listen, there's a flaw in it. Just as I told you, there's beautiful buildings all over the nation. 
Beautiful buildings, beautiful churches, stained glass, pictures, painted walls, everything that you want. But listen to me, the flaw that is in this temple is simply this. We learn it in the Old Testament. That seeking to honor God is commendable, but to obey is better than sacrifice. You you ever hear people talk about their church that way? Uh, you know how much you know how much you know how much time it took to build this? You know how much work it took for us to build this? Why? Because because sacrifice is what they think God honored. Man, you know how much how much we had to raise? Don't in fact they bought their own pews. They why? Because because our sacrifice is what I mean, look at how much we sat, look at what we built. And what we learned through Solomon's temple is that God didn't care. God said, I don't care about your gold-plated shields, and I don't care that you think you're going to build me this house that's going to be important. Listen to me, no matter what you build, no matter what you have done, no matter what you think that you have accomplished, obedience is always more important to me than the sacrifices you'll make. See, there's never a moment in my life I can I can come to God and say, God, look, look, for 20-something years, look, look, we built this, and we built this, and Lord, look what else we're doing. And man, God, you got to love us. Look at all the sacrifice we've been making, and God's like, anything to me, Tim. You can do all of this and go live a lifestyle that can lose it all. Solomon built the most expensive building that probably has ever been built. And yet, before he died, he's writing books about, I'm fixing to leave all of this to an idiot. That's what he says. He's looking at his family. He's looking at his people. He's, he's like, and his life's all messed up. And he said, I'm fixing to die. And I'm leaving all of this to an idiot. And he was right. He was smart. It didn't take his son more than a few months. And he done split the kingdom. There was two tribes here and ten done left. And I mean, he didn't have anything. Why? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Because his son had the same mindset Solomon did. And when he got to be king, you know what he said? The people came to him and said, look, we're, we're tired. That's why we do things around here. We don't do it every day of every year. People are like, y'all do stuff. Yeah, it only took nearly 30 years to get here. It ain't like we wake up every morning and like, let's just start something. You know, it's, it's been five or eight years. It took eight years after we did this before we started something. Seems like two weeks, don't it? Some of y'all are like, man, it's been a while. But in Solomon's day, he kept thinking sacrifice. That's what it is. And when his son finally took the throne, they came to him with a delegation. They said, listen, we, 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 we want you to be a different king. Please. Solomon, your dad pushed and pushed and pushed. He never quit. And the older men told him, he said, Solomon, be wise. You know, son, be wise. Listen to these older men. They're trying to help you. But the Bible says he listened to his friends. He came in front of those people, and you know what he said? He said, my dad's whole thigh. In other words, if my dad was to sit on you, it won't be half as much as my little finger. In other words, he said, whatever my dad did, I'm fixing to take it off the chain. I'm fixing to intensify it. And the Bible said the kingdom split. Why? Because he was in his mind. All he thought was, if I can make a sacrifice, God will be honored. I pay my tithes, Brother Lot. Because if you don't, it's called robbery. Uh, Brother Lot, I came to church because he said not to stop assembling yourselves together. You haven't made a. We try to find places in our life where we can say, God, I have made great sacrifices. Listen, especially for us men, this is so important. Listen, a beautiful environment doesn't make for a beautiful soul. Beauty is God's gift, but can easily become flamboyant. And we are deceived, manipulated, 
by the beautiful, the large, the shining. Us men, it, it is, I guess the best way to illustrate it is this. You notice most churches is about 70 to 80% women. Our, ours, is, ours is way above that. It, it, man, I'm thankful. But, but most churches are about 70 80% women and a few men. You know why? Because for men, they're visual. And it's easier f- to do things visual for men and to get them attracted by that than it is to just live a Christian life and go to church and let that be your life. Let me give you an illustration. If, if we said, hey, let's come to church every week. Okay. Men, men it's hard. Because, because it's just the same share, same, same day. But now if I said, look, we're, we're, we're going to get some guys together and there's been a hurricane or a tornado that hit this house over here down in Homewood and we're going to get some men together and, and we're going to help fix that house next weekend. Do you know that I would have more men show up for that than I would for my church service? I'd have people that don't even come to my church. Hey, I brought a friend. You don't even bring your friends to church. Yeah, but yeah, I know I don't bring them to church, but man, I brought them help. Well, they're good at this work and stuff. Why? Because men want to be able to see something visually accomplished. And it's real easy for us guys to think more about our sacrifice outwardly than our spiritual walk inwardly. Because nobody sees it. Isn't that frustrating, guys? I do all this, nobody can. Only God. And we look for things in, as men for people to say, look at my grass, look how my, my grass looks good. Yeah, yeah. What I've cleaned, what I've built, what I've done. It's easier for us to get praise that way. And Solomon was the same way. Look at what I've done. While at the same time, he had 400 women and a concubine. Now, don't worry about that. Just look at what I've done. Yeah, but they're bringing idols into your kingdom. Oh, don't worry about that. Just look at what I've done. And he was destroyed by saying, look at what I... Think of how many people that go to church every single week, walk into these beautiful buildings, stained glass, everything, and, and they're like, look at what we've done but their life don't match it. Which do you think God wants the most? He wants the life. There was a third temple built because that temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, Solomon's was, because of disobedience. It's a pretty building, but Nebuchadnezzar come in and took the gold and dug up every stone and got every bit of the gold out of it, took it all back to Babylon. Later, they were allowed to come back, and Ezra's temple was built. Now, here's the problem here, because if we decide to start moving away, because God apparently was not pleased with this temple. And let me read a scripture for you, because this is an important scripture. Go to Ezra 3, verses 12 and 13. I want to show you why it's important. Because because we're visual, and because that's what we look for, It's very hard for us to transition to something that's spiritual. Listen to what happens. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, that is Solomon's, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. In other words, while, while the young men were out there fixing the forms and pouring the, and fixing the foundation and getting this, you got this whole group of old people that's like, oh, this is so pitiful looking. Oh, this is so, we don't sing the same songs we used to. It's so bad. I don't think I could stand it. Oh, we don't, we don't, we don't teach the way we used to. We don't dress for church. Folks just show up in anything anymore. I know y'all aren't like that, but I'm just saying you may bump into someone like that. You remember the glory days when it was all, man, everything was awesome. The Bible says 
that they just started right there in front of everybody working and trying and doing and building. They just started crying, whining. This is horrible. I can't believe y'all building this thing. When they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others, the only way to break it was to do what? Shout louder than they were crying. So the other group sitting there and listening to them just like, well, I'm just going to praise God anyway. Oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. While the other, no, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. And so one group is shouting for praise while the other group is crying because the, the windows don't look like the old building. No one could distinguish, listen now, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping. Because the people made so much and the sound was heard. They were listening, but they didn't know what they were hearing. And if you go to church in a lot of places these days, let's be honest. There's one group that's sitting there that's... In fact, I, I go to... We've tried as church to, to try to fix it. We have a 8 o'clock traditional service and we have a 10.30 Contemporary service. Because you can't get them to get along, so we just split them down the middle. It would be funny if it wasn't true, wouldn't it? I can take you to church. I, I drove by, while we were on our break this last weekend, I, I, I drove by two or three buildings that said the same thing. Now, I was like, it won't fix it. It won't fix Because that group's going to keep on crying. And this group's going to keep on shouting. And you can't blend them. And the problem is when the world walks in, they can't distinguish the noise from the church of whether it's excitement or depression. Is this okay? Okay. So, so more than is, is what we learn is in our lives... More is not always better. Simple can be just as exciting to God as something that's magnificent. Bro, I just, I, I didn't do very much. But to God, that's magnificent. See, I have to remind myself because because I'm, I'm I, I, I dream. I'm a dreamer. And so in my dreams, everything is perfect. In it, in it, I mean, in your dreams, it's like, wow. And then in reality, I constantly have people coming up to me. Well, we couldn't do it this way. We had to do it this way. We couldn't fix it this way. We had to fix. Uh, Philip came to me yesterday, and it's like two of our switches, two of our our, our GFI plugs. They, they run from one to the other. Somewhere in there, somebody had put a screw, and it had touched them. And now one was, was, you couldn't run it. So now we had to run another little wire through there to back, to get off that wire. And, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And so he's looking at me like, we're going to have to go under the thing, under the sink and go into the wall here. And I'm like, do we have to? I'm like, really? He said, we have to. He said, unless we want to unscrew all the screws out of the sheetrock and figure out which one did it. I said, no, 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 no. We don't want to go there. Is it work? That's not the way I dreamed it. But God says, that's okay, Tim. Understand, I like the little things just as much as I like the big things. Well, bro, all I do is come to the little things just as much if you were singing solos on the stage. Just being faithful. Because when we, we, we want to see things, we want, we, want, we want to see and experience things. God says, don't, don't go to church and cry and mourn. Yeah, but we, we're not what we... Be excited. Let's, let me put it to you this way. What matters most is your position toward God and others. Not the size of your congregation. Think about it. We're not a big congregation. People talk about stuff that we do and everything. I mean... We live in a county that has like 30,000 plus people. 
our little town and just this little area, like 7,000 people. And half of them don't speak my language. So we could about cut that in half. Nothing wrong with that. Because there's tons of churches in town that take care. But I'm just saying, it ain't this huge pool of people. And, and, and usually when people graduate, they don't, they don't stay in forest. They go to college or they move away or they get married or they go to find jobs. So it's just, it's like, it's like here you are in this little place and it would be very easy to say, God, I mean, I, I can turn on TV and there's these mega churches. I can turn on and guys like Tim, you can accomplish just as much. Just quit worrying about the size. Quit worrying about what it looks like to you. Just do what you're able to do. And because we've done that and hadn't worried about it, it's amazing how God is sending people to us. But if you are going to complain about what you don't have every day and complain about what life is not every day and complain about... Well, it's not going right every day. How oh, I remember how it used to be. And you're never going to accomplish what God wants. Those were the temples of the Old Testament. The final temple of the Old Testament was Herod's temple, and that was during Jesus' time. Go with me to John 2 and verse 20. John 2 and verse 20. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. See, Jesus comes along and says, you can tear down this temple and in three days I will build it. In fact, he's going to tell them shortly in the scriptures I'm fixing to read to you that one greater than the temple is here. Now you have to understand, these people all their life, from Moses to Solomon to Ezra to, to now Herod's temple, all their whole life is built around the temple. What makes us special is the temple. What makes us special is where we go and where we show up. And, 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 and Jesus comes along and says, one greater than this temple is here. In fact, what makes Herod's temple so tough is the fact that it's churches of our modern day because as we get closer, what we find is these are now churches of our modern day. Why, Brother Lot? Because Herod's temple, why did they call it Herod's temple? Because it was built by the Romans. The Romans built them a temple to just keep them pacified. Isn't that what church does a lot of times for a lot of people? It's just what we do until 12 o'clock on Sunday, and if it's past 12 o'clock, we get mad. It's our 10 to 12. It's our, it's our, we're supposed to go. And we got to have air conditioning, and we got to have it. And, and I, I love the comfortable chairs, and I love everything. It's it's what I'm supposed to do, and and it's it's Herod's temple. The only problem with Herod's temple is this: when you build something that's only built to pacify you, the same people who build it are the same people who will destroy it. I, church splits. People pulling out. Committees who run the show. Why? Because it was built to pacify us. And we built it, and we'll tear it down. I tell you what, we'll just lock the doors before we let something like that happen here. Why? Because it was built for us, by us, and if we don't like it, we'll burn it down. Herod's temple was eventually destroyed. Jesus told them nearly 60 years A.D., it was ultimately utterly destroyed. The other temples that we hear about are the temples that are coming in the future. There's the tribulation temple that hasn't been built yet in, Jer in Jerusalem. But that temple is going to be a temple that just like this, go with me to Acts 21, verses 17 through 26. I want to read some scripture for you. Acts 21, verses 17 through 26. This is the temple that will be the mindset that will be. Listen to what happens. When we arrived at Jerusalem, this is Paul, 
And brothers and sisters received us how? All right. They received us warmly. Because, because every church wants to be a what kind of church? A loving church. We want to be a friendly church. But notice what happens. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So Paul comes excited to Jerusalem, to the temple, telling them, man, God is doing some awesome stuff. God is healing, and God is doing miracles, and man, God is is saving all these people. And Paul is all fired up. Listen, and when they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the... Oh. They have been been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to... See, the last day church will have a form of godliness, but no power. You'll know how to dress. You'll know how to act. You'll know all the rules. You'll know what you believe and why you don't believe the other but no power. They have been informed. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they have, they have their heads shaved Then everyone will know that there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the... As for the Gentiles, believers, we we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself among with, along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date of the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. Now, I'd like to tell you that this worked. But the next thing that you read in the next part of Acts is Paul is arrested. Because as soon as he goes to the temple, people start screaming, it's Paul. And, and, and even though you're trying to appease and to try to get everybody to get a, along, it won't work. In the last days, in the days of the tribulation temple, think, they're going to build a temple to God, but it won't get fixed until Jesus comes back and saves them. They're going to build a temple to praise a God whom they don't even know who they're serving. They're rejecting the very Savior that's going to come at the end and save them. What will we have in our world in the temple worship in our last days? We will have people who have a form of godliness, have all different types of beliefs, all different denominations, all different stuff, but deny the very power that will change lives. Why is this important, Brother Locke? Why, Why have you shared all this? Well, Let me explain it this way. Go now with me to Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Now I can preach my sermon. Short sermon. But I wanted you to see all that because it's important. I know to some of you it's like, But, but I want you to see it because it's very important to understand this because Jesus comes on the scene. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for? In other words, if, if, if all the heavens is where I rest and where I live, and I use earth as just a place I put my foot on, what would you ever build me that could hold me? Tell me what, what name you're going to put on your church that's going to make me feel like, oh, that's where I live. I'm too big for your denomination. I'm too big for your building. I'm too big for what you think you got figured out and how you think you got me all figured out and you're going to put me in a box and I'm, and I'm going to fit there. He said, listen to me. 
Where is the house you will build for me? Where will I, will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So they came into being, declares the Lord. What are you going to build for me that it wasn't me that made it? I'm going to build you a house. Who made the wood? Who created the the materials that you're going to build it with? Who actually gave you breath today to breathe to go build it? What are you going to build me? What sacrifice are you going to make that's going to impress me? Go with me to Matthew 12 and 6. This is why this scripture is such a hard scripture. I tell you that something greater than the temple or someone greater than the temple is of all the things Jesus could say it was the hardest thing for them to take what do you mean in fact when they were going to kill him remember the the accusations was when they brought him before the Pharisees and they brought him before the high priest they said he said he was going to destroy the temple because to them that is the most horrible thing that you could possibly say. Let me give you three facts that you need to realize. Number one, look at the person beside you and say, you are the temple. If a God who can't fit in a box and can't fit in a building and he's too big for the universe, how does it work? Well, he says, you are the temple. Go go with me to 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. So we as a group are the temple. When you're looking for a temple, we as a church are that temple. Listen to what it says. For we are co-workers in what? God's service. So everything that we do, everything that we are trying to accomplish, everything, we are simply collectively co-workers in God's service. That's why we do everything. You are God's field. God's God's building. I'll give you a phrase that'll help you. You ever hear people say, this is God's house. Now it ain't a bad miss, but it's a miss. When you hear people say, this is God's house. No, it's not. This is just a house where God's people meet. That's all it is. You can kick it. You can scratch it. It's just a house where God's people meet. But remember now, our philosophy, our struggle is to want to turn the building into what? The temple, the important thing. Jesus comes along and says, it's just a building. It's just, it's, it's not, it won't hold me. The only thing that will hold me is if you collectively come together and I feel all of you, and when I do that, collectively you start doing things, then guess what? For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So how does it work, pastor? It works like this. All of a sudden God says, Tim, I've got, I want to show you something that I want done. I want to show you something that I'd like to see happen. Okay, God. God says, look, we're going to, we're going to build this camp. We're going to do this camp. We're going to create this bill. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. I know that. That's okay. It's not about you. It's about co-workers. It's about working in my service. I've got people in your church that can do this. I've got people in your church that can do that. My brother, went to an auction looking for some excavator one time and, and in the winter time. And when he went, there was this bulldozer sitting there and nobody would bid on it. He was at Hollingsworth. He went there and sat there and he kept watching them bid on this, that, everything. And nobody would bid on this old, run-down old bulldozer. And, and so he kept sitting there and he says, well, nobody going to buy it. I, I guess I'll just get it for nothing. I'll scrap it or something. And, and, and he bought it for just pennies. Took it home. His father-in-law who tinkers on stuff got it running right up. Boom. So, man, ain't nothing wrong with it. 
It's sitting in his yard. I don't know what we're going to do with it. He did some work in his yard. In fact, he didn't even use it first. Trent found out about it and said, hey, I need to build a road. Trent got it from him, and Trent used it first. And while it was sitting in Trent's yard, I'm sitting here getting bids from different people. Hey, it's, you know, we, we, could, we could do your dozier work for this much. We could do your dozier work for that much. And all of a sudden, it's like, why you got to pay for dozier work? I already got your brother. It's got a dozier. I hooked him up. So I found somebody could deliver a dozier. Didn't even know how to drive one. Turns out John Austin was trained on it. Went to school to learn how to drive that stuff. He said, I would love to come down on his days off, volunteer. So for other than the transmission fluid, the gas, and whatever else we had to keep it going, we got all of the dozier work you see out there for nothing. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, God doesn't care about that. It's not that that God cares. What He cared about was all of us working together to create a testimony that gave God glory. That God could look at it and say, you know how all that happened? Because that's my stuff. That's my blessings. That's my people. That's my, you're my building. You're my servants. You all work for me. It's not a building that makes God look good. It's when His people come together and do something. That's what turns the heads of the world. Whether we were, if we build dog houses or whether we, we build a camp, God, God's not impressed by what we're building. God's impressed that people are coming and doing it together. God's impressed that 12 people from a recovery center came yesterday and spent all day building beds and doing that. And we sat there, and I wish I could show you the photo of about 30 of us sitting in a room eating eating together and just talking about God and, and people that were ex-drug addicts talking to people that are drug addicts and, and, and just... Oh, I can't explain it to you. Because it's so much easier to look at bricks and, and say that's a church. Isn't it? Than it is to go be arm in arm. I'll I tell you what a church is. Church will be Tuesday through Friday when I'm sitting in the kitchen and different people are volunteering with me and we're just hanging out and we're feeding 200 people each day and, and we're laughing and, and then it'll hit me. This stuff don't mean anything. It's the relationships that I have. That's the church. Number one, you are the church. You are the temple. We collectively are the temple. 1 Corinthians that 3 and 9 as we just read. Secondly, we are the church universally. Go to Ephesians 2 verses 20 through 22. What do you mean, Pastor, universally? Well, let's read. Built on the foundation of the what? And prophets. With Jesus Christ Himself as the chief in Him, verse 21, in Him the whole building is joined together to become a holy temple under the Lord. You know, I know it may sound strange. People say, well, you know, there's the Apostle Paul. Well, me and Paul, are, we're connected. Well, you know, Peter, me and Peter are connected. There's a little mortar in between us called time. But Jesus was the cornerstone. The first bricks that were ever laid were the apostles. And from that time on, whether it's Martin Luther or Martin Luther King or Tim Lott or T.D. Jakes or whoever you want to name, if they're part of the kingdom of God, we're, we're connected. We're all part of the same building. Do you get that? To me, the most, most beautiful thing about a building, and this is the way I think God sees it too, I hate one-colored buildings. I, I, I don't like something that's, that's one. In fact, my wife had to stop me on, on multiple occasions doing stuff. We'd probably had a blue roof on this building. 
we would have for sure had multicolored chairs. Because even if people aren't sitting in them, it looks like it's people because when you do multicolored chairs, I just don't like looking at one color. That's just that. We would have had green, orange, blue, this color, just color. And I, I know people's like, oh, Lord, that would look so bad. But, but I believe God likes that because if you could look universally at the church, you've got every colored brick from every shape, size, background that are all blended together to make one beautiful building to God. I believe that. And Elise was right. We didn't need multicolored chairs. She made a good choice. But that's the way I think. I love color. I love variety. I believe God does too. I don't think God likes the same thing the same way every time. If you ever follow Him long, you're going to find out He don't. Number three, we are also the building individually. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. We already done said you're part of the universal. We already said that you're part of the congregation. And he says, listen, I want to explain to you why it's so important to live your life seriously and wholly because if you are a bad brick in the building, one of the good things, the pretty things, but one of the most flawed things that we did when we built this was the, was the stone wall on the outside. And it's beautiful. If you look at it, it's, it's like it's beautiful. And I, and I love it. And I hate it. Because every so often I'll walk out there and there'll be another stone laying on the ground. And they did what they call dry stack. They just stick a little bit of mud on the back and they just stack the next one. And they stack and they stack. And it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. The only problem is, is if one don't stick very well, it just... And I don't care how many of the others look beautiful... If you walk out there and look, you know what your eyes are going to go to? It's going to go to the hole. You're going to say, something's wrong with y'all's wall. Oh, no, I got beautiful brick all over the place. Oh, no, you got a hole. And you know what? You can do that as a church. You can say, you know what? We've got a beautiful church, wonderful people. Man, it's awesome. But you know what people in the world will see? Yeah, but y'all got that one. I, I, I've seen him. I've seen her. I know how they, I've seen them on Facebook. I saw what they said. I, if they go to your church, I'm like, yeah, they're the hole in the wall. They kind of fell out of spot every now and then. They just kind of hit the ground. We have to pick them up and glue them again and stick them back in. Because individually, every one of you is part of the kingdom. Every one of you is part. Listen to what it says. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let me say real quick. Pastor, what do I need to do to be the temple I'm supposed to be? I, I, need, I need to give up drinking, smoking, cussing, lying, whatever else I'm doing? No. You will, but that's not what you do. Here's what I need you to do. Number one, a temple is a place built for praise. I need you to just start praising God for everything. Now, let me just show you, give you an example. Lord, I need to finish these beds today, but God, I praise you for the rain that's falling right now because I know somebody needs it. I don't, but God, I praise you that right now somebody needs this rain, and I am so thankful that, God, you give us the sunshine and the rain, and you will make a way even when there isn't a way, and I pray. I am built for praise. And praise changes the way I see things and the way I think about things. 
You can't be the temple God wants you to be without praise. Praise is what will drive out the other stuff in your life that you're like, well, i got to quit doing this. No, you don't. You just need to learn to praise. If you start praising God for his strength and his ability and how much he loves you and how much he cares. Second thing is evangelize. You're called to invite people, to tell people the good news of what God has done for you, to evangelize. What was life like before he bought you? What was life like before he cleaned your life up? What was life like before he turned you into a temple? What was life like? All you got to do is share. I do it all the time. Every Sunday I share my stories. Guys, you wouldn't want to met Tim Lott. You wouldn't want to hung out with me. I was messed up, upside down, all tore. I mean, but thanks be to God. Number three, we then make sacrifices. We come to him. Go with me in your Bible. They have to pull this one up. Pull up 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5 for me real quick. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. I need to share this with you as we're closing. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering what? Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what a temple does. I offer sacrifices. Yes, to some degree, coming to church this morning was a spiritual sacrifice. Getting ready was a spiritual sacrifice. Praising this morning while, while it's like, oh man, it was tough. I'm tired. I'm, and, and they're, they're singing and you gotta, you gotta praise. Yes, there, to some degree, there is spiritual sacrifice, but that's what God is called. Just like Jesus, who was called to leave heaven and to be a spiritual sacrifice, you too are called to make the sacrifice. Well, what sacrifice? Whatever he needs. You're a living stone. If God says, I want to put you right here, then that's where you're at. If God says, I want you over here. Hey, I need you to do this today. That's okay. Hey, there's some days, man, Friday night, you would have thought I was king of the world. I'm in my suit, got my tie on. Man, I am standing in front of about 600 people talking about Camp Cypress, taking up an off. Man, it was cool. I, I felt like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm living it now. Twelve hours later, I'm walking in mud, smelling like it, fixing pizza for other people, bringing chairs out so they can sit down. And you know what? I'm just as happy there as I am over there. I'm a living stone. Number, last one. Not only are we to praise Him, not only are we to evangelize or make sacrifices, but we're also to offer prayers. This is a house of prayer. It's a house. That's what Jesus got mad about, remember? When He went into the temple and they were doing all their business and 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 He turned over their tables, got a whip, ran them out. And he said, this is my father's house. It will be a house of prayer. Brother, I'm not good at it. Well, get good at it. Because praying is what you're called to do. If there's, if there's things in your life, needs in your life, you've got to get good at praying about them. Not sitting around thinking about them. If I'm in church and we're in this building this morning... I have a choice. I can sit here in my chair and I can think about, oh, I wish God would fix some stuff. I, I need some stuff changed. I need. Or I can begin to praise. I can make the sacrifices. And ultimately, it brings me to one thing I can come boldly to the throne room of God and pray. This will be a house of prayer. 
If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, there's things in my life, there's things that... Can I tell you this building was built for this reason? One, to keep the rain off of you. Say amen. Good day for that. And secondly, so that everything we did today is so that you know that I can come to my Father and I can pray and be prayed for for whatever it is that isn't right right now in my life. If I can't come and pray and praise and make my sacrifices, then no matter what I dress it up or put chandelier in it, it'll never be a church. It becomes a place where God's people come to worship. When we as temples come to be what God's called us to be. Will you stand? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I needed this this morning. I understand a little better now than I did before I got here. I don't understand everything you said, but I understand more. I understand that temples can become a problem if they're not used correctly and if they're not built for the right purpose. And this morning, my temple was not built to be a place of crying and whining about what's not. It's not built to be a place where I can just brag on how I'm looking better than the person I compare myself to down the road. This place becomes what it's meant to be when I use it for a place of praise. I use it for a place where I can come and give my sacrifice. And a place where when I bring all my burdens and all my fears and things that you don't even know about, Pastor, but I'm carrying them this morning, that I can bring them to the Lord and I can pray. I can unload and I don't have to leave them in some closet in my temple. Leave them sitting out in the open air in my temple. But I can pass them on, unload them, and move on. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, there's some things. You don't have to know about them, Pastor. But there's just things that are really weighing on me. Stuff that's going on in my life. But I want to be the temple I'm supposed to be. And I, I can't be that toting and frustrated and wrestling with what I'm wrestling with. And this morning God says, that temple is a place where you can come boldly to the throne room of God and make your request known. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to bring something then I want to let you know these altars in this place where we worship is open. And it's time for you as the temple to reposition yourself to be what you're supposed to be. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to do that. Because if people meet me next week, they're not going to meet the temple. They're going to meet something I don't want them to meet. Right now, right where you are, just step out and say, I'm not toting this no more. I'm not carrying this anymore. This is not the way I'm designed to be. I'll praise in the middle of it. I'll praise when I don't understand it. I don't understand why the rain is falling right now. I got, I got kids coming in two days and God knows that. God knows I got kids coming in two days and I need sunshine. God decided, no. So God says, what are you going to do? I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to make a sacrifice. I'm going to pray that God, even the stuff I don't understand, that, that you understand it so much better and you've got a plan that I can't even figure out. And God, I'm going to be thankful. I don't want the noise that people hear from my temple be 
complaining mixed with praise. I want them to distinguish that the noise coming from my temple is all good. It's all good. It's all good. If you're here, this is your moment. Father, thank You that You allow the temples of God to come together. All of us carrying Your Spirit around each day. And when we come together, it creates a powerful moment. It creates a powerful atmosphere. We can't feel this in our living room sometimes. We can't feel this all the time when we're at work, but we can feel it when we come together. We begin to shed tears of joy and anticipation. Father, this morning, for every person that needs that temple reinspected, just cleaned out so it can be what it's meant to be, I speak that you will do it right now. Father, for those who have stepped out, I declare in the name of Jesus that everything they need, that right from the moment they stepped out, that everything was given to them by God through Your Son, Jesus, and they've received it. I thank You for this. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Hey, go give that devil fits this week.